when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, William Lou. I'm joined on this week's episode by Blake Murphy. What's up, man? We we ready to, to slander the Celtics and Chris Middleton or what? Uh, this That's, is second on my list of I, basketball topics. I, you When you pitched this podcast to me, that is all you told me we'd be talking about. So I'm everything is coming back to the Middleton failures and the uh, the Celtic failures. I, I got to say, in recent days, um, well, well, first off, Team USA lost. And Two times. Twice in a row, back to back. For the first time ever, I think, in like major competition play. Yeah, I guess so. I never really remember them losing back to back. Realistically, they should have lost to Turkey. I mean, we should have known that this. Well, look, we'll get into like actual yeah. Bucks and, and and Celtic stuff. Well, but also, having Bucks Twitter in my mentions recently, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. They're like, "Wow, I can't believe you're dining off this one season." I'm like, "Better than dining I, off of no seasons." <laughs> I was I gonna say. What do you want us to do? They're yeah. literally the reigning champions. Yeah, yeah, I can. We can die off of one season, or we can go hungry. Wow. I don't know. Wow. It's, uh, yeah. The uh, the the thing with like their winning streak and everything, I found weird though. Not to jump our first topic, but like yeah. they absolutely have lost. Like in the FIBA Americas or the the FIBA World Cup qualifiers, they lost, mm-hmm. and like it's basically just like okay, well they have this winning streak when the good teams are out. And it's like, yeah. I, I wonder if, like, come Olympics now, they'll retcon it where it's like, oh, we haven't lost with, like, our good team in 70 <laughs> games or whatever. This is becoming the Doc Rivers. Yeah, but when uh, we send good players. Doc Rivers, Kendrick Perkins thing of our full team has never lost before. Yeah. Yeah, you, you guys won one time, man. Yeah. Um, we, don't, we don't lose with LeBron and Melo and Wade and Bosch. And... I feel like this team had used Melo, weirdly enough. This team was so garbage. Like, they could have used Melo. It was just weird, man. Like, obviously, I think a lot, a couple of smart people wrote or talked about how Gobert would be such a problem for a U.S. team that is, yep. you know, was thin on traditional bigs and vertical bigs like that, and why that was a problem. But um, and and then I know people were worried about Jokic too going in, but like both of those games felt like the U.S. should have won them. I yeah, I mean the Serbia game, they didn't even come out with any energy. Like they won down like thirty-two to seven. In the first quarter. And, like, maybe that's part of the FIBA system where, like, these five to eight classification games, you have to play them because the way FIBA is structured is important, but maybe FIBA should restructure where, you know, that five to eight gets classified like like the other sections get classified or something. I'm not right. sure. Yeah. But it, it was ve- it's been very enjoyable. It's been re- I mean, Chris Middleton. Uh, okay, so I, I got these numbers yesterday before today's loss. Um, but Middleton was averaging eight points per game on 38% shooting. Brooke Lopez, two points per game. Jason Tatum, 31% shooting. Then he got hurt. Uh, Kemba Walker seems to be the culprit of why USA lost to France. I think it's a little unfair to him 
But I mean, still, he's a Celtic now, so everything's yeah, get uh, used to it, on the man. table. Get used to being blamed for because I mean, Stevens and the young guys aren't going to catch any of that blame. Oh, that's right, that's right. Jason Tatum's still only two years old. Um, okay, so we got we got the team USA stuff out of the way, but uh, realistically, um, the more I'm not say more embarrassing, but I think the one that's closer to home, obviously, is how Canada um, sort of flamed out of the FIBA World Cup, and you wrote a great um, sort of postmortem i guess yeah on you know the tournament on where the program stands right now and the sort of challenges there so blake how are we gonna fix this program yeah well first of all i I just like i think most people understand this but in case they don't the caveat here that the guys who actually showed up and the performance with that roster was not really disappointing or embarrassing it was you know the, the goal when the roster was what it was in the pool that they had was to get an Olympic qualifying tournament spot. Those guys did that. They deserve a ton of respect for going out and doing it. Now, rewind six weeks to the moonshot training camp invite list that they sent out. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, finishing 20, what was it, 21st? Finishing 21st is a disappointment. And I don't know if I go as far as embarrassment, but like Canada basketball like fumbled this. They overshot with the invite list, even though they knew some of those guys weren't going to play. Uh, they didn't have contingencies for when that first wave of guys dropped out. And, um, you know, that's a problem. I, th- I think what's important to remember is that this isn't, and this is this was the crux of my piece after giving it to Rowan for a little bit, is that this isn't a single-factor decision for players. And I know it's frustrating and people get mad about it, uh, but framing it as a single-factor problem, whether that's basketball players are selfish, hockey players are more patriotic, What FIBA, it's all oh, yeah, FIBA's that, fault. That one argument is, is particularly just annoying, man. Yeah, the NHL and IHF work together really well. And yeah, it's true that it's more of a part of the cultural fabric, and those kids yeah. grow up wanting to play for it. But none of those explanations, first of all, capture everything, and none of them leave room for a solution. Like, if the answer is only just that, well, the FIBA system set up, poorly for Canada and Canadian basketball players aren't patriotic. It's like, okay, well, it's never going to get better, so let's let's just move on. Yeah. There are a lot of factors at play that the organization can improve on and, you know, they'll pay lip service to, but, you know, they the time between now and the start of the Olympic qualifying tournament needs to be spent talking to stakeholders, whether that's players, agents, coaches from other teams, um, you know, other federations. You have to figure out the best practices that are allowing, say, a country like Australia who's losing NBA guys but still getting you know half their NBA guys out instead of yeah. two out of 16 yeah. or something like that. You have to find a way to improve the situation. Mm-hmm. And then you're looking at, you know, you have Ken Birch and Corey Joseph and Kevin Pangos and Kyle Wilcher as the guys you want to carry over, but you fortify that where, you know, I think the problem that was on display with Canada, and we talked about this a little with one particular guy um, before we came on, is that you had the starting lineup had three guys that are maybe really good like second unit guys for FIBA. And then the second unit was, okay, well, if that's your depth crew in a FIBA tournament, you're in pretty good shape. And then it was those last couple guys that were playing minutes. It's like, okay, those minutes are a huge struggle. And so everyone's kind of up a role beyond where they would be ideally if you had, say, even three to four more NBA guys. So They're not that far from respectability. Right. And you have to look at this as, any marginal improvement improves the situation. This this single reducing it to a single factor or throwing everything out if you don't get twelve NBA guys, neither of those are helpful to the situation. There are there's a world of gray in between that that Canada basketball can work to improve and has to work to improve. Um, one thing that struck me with this roster was that they had to get a guy like Owen Klassen, which again, respect these guys for coming out, um, especially on short notice, guys like Klassen. Uh, and Connor Morgan to like just show up on the team last second. Connor but, like, Morgan, U- UBC. So you actually know this dude? Um, so his freshman year at UBC, I was a play-by-play commentator. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh wow! Um, yeah. He Did was he also look like Mike Ganter back then? No, he looked like a child back then. Um, he became like he had a good freshman year, but uh-huh. like, he's a freshman in in the CIS. Like you don't have big hopes. Like, yeah, he's yeah. playing in the Spanish ACB league now. Like, That's he's pretty legit. good. Yeah. Yeah. No, he hit some threes against Germany. I thought he had some good moments. Yeah, he's got some game, man. It was really unfortunate that his first play with the program yeah. this tournament was him blowing a wide open transition layup. But um, he's a good example of like when you're in those in season FIBA qualifiers, he's a really good he's a really good asset for the program to have. Yeah. And he might grow into something more, but like in a tournament like this, him having to play real minutes 
being added to the roster with no camp, yeah, you know that's a that's an issue. And the time difference, man. I mean, at least he was coming from I think he was Spain. coming from Spain, yeah. So it's a little bit better, but even that's still like six, six hours. Seven hours, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's one of the things that struck me was that like, why did Canada have to reach this deep? It's like okay, fine, maybe the NBA guys aren't there, and we could talk about why and some of the factors why the NBA guys aren't there, but. I mean, why not at least extend the invite to, like, Anthony Bennett or, like, Andrew Nicholson or, yeah. like, Nick Stauskas or even, like, uh, Xavier Rathon Mays. Like, guys like that. Like, Canada has enough depth in terms of the national quality that I think those guys at least – I mean, again, credit to Owen and, and Connor, but, like, you, you don't necessarily need to go there. Yeah, Nicholson's the one that's frustrating for me because he's been playing in China and, yeah. like – like it seems like he would have been such and his like he's already in Guangdong (laughs) yeah and he's a guy who like his game is already better suited to the FIBA game because like he has like long two range and Mm -hmm. he's used to playing it and stuff um you know now Anthony Bennett's a case where he this is probably his last chance to make the NBA right I understand it a little more he might have politely said you know I'm not going to come regardless don't put me on the list okay um but yeah you you run into the question of like you and Rathon Mays, like, they were really deep at guard, so maybe they didn't stress that one. Okay. But, like, you know, Andy Routens has been a long-time part sure. of the program. Yeah, yeah. Um, Andrew Nicholson's a big one who who could have filled that role. He would have been very useful for this team. Yeah, and you look at, I don't know, maybe there's just a, a drop-off in bigs after the NBA guys, but, you know, and again, Klassen and Morgan, ton of respect and really good players to have in the qualifier windows, but... Um, you know, you just can't, especially in the pool that they were in. Like, yeah, yeah. you run into Australia, Lithuania, even like Senegal had, I think, one guy under six foot seven. Yeah, they were huge. And even Germany's big. Like, they're, they're yep. just like you were undersized in every game. And like, Ken Birch is playing huge minutes. Yeah. Um, you know, they're starting Kyle Wilcher, which is Kyle Wilcher had an amazing tournament. He really did offensively, yeah. but was... on paper beforehand, it would have been like, okay, well, that's a risk for the defense. And yeah, that's why he's a bench scorer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, these little things add up, and if everyone can slide down a peg, that's helpful. But, yeah, it's it's that second wave of guys. And there are some other names we haven't mentioned, too. Um, just, like, guys who probably could have helped. And So, I don't know. Yeah, I would have loved to have Joel Anthony on the <laughs> Yeah. I mean, look, there's an experience factor there, and he's, yeah. he, he gets five fouls just like everyone else, right? Um, the thing I wonder, with the moonshot camp invite list they sent out, yep. when they invited those 29 guys, did some guys say when they came back to them after, like, Come on, like yeah, I'm what not. Are you, what are you doing? I'm not a second choice. Like, like, like I, I, I wonder. Like, we'll use Nicholson as an example. Um, he might not even be the best one because the Chinese season runs on a different calendar. But say, say Nicholson sure. had a Euro gig. Yeah. Um, if he's not on that first invite list, he goes out and starts his European camp similar to Connor Morgan, uh, and then they ask him after a bunch of other guys say no. You know, how does that feel? Are you less motivated to leave your camp and leave your situation and come over and participate? Uh, especially if you're already over there and then you have to come back. and yeah. um, So I wonder if, obviously, there were some guys who weren't on those initial lists who made it to camp and were on that team and stuff, but I wonder if that cost them a couple guys casting this wide net and not including some guys that they ended up would have would have needed. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the 29 players uh, that were invited, I think five of them were incoming rookies. Um, obviously, RJ being the most prominent guy. Yeah. But there's uh, there's a lot of young guys on there. Brandon Clark, you know, Kevin Gelly, Kevin Gelly, Alexander Walker, yeah, even O'Shea, who's yeah. like, you know, I I know that everyone gets excited and likes to fudge the number of like Canadians in the NBA, quote unquote. Like yeah, a lot, yeah. of, a couple of these guys on Exhibit Tens are not. Right, right. You know, O'Shea might actually end up getting a two-way spot, but like Lindell Wigginton as a late add to the Timberwolves on Exhibit Ten. Like I don't know if we need to count him. Yeah. Just yet, but. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean those guys; those are guys that like. But like, you, well, when you, you know those guys aren't playing exactly, and that's like almost a quarter of the list. Yeah. Now I understand inviting those guys to camp because even if you can get them in for two to three days, yeah, do yeah. what RJ Jamal and um, Dylan did, yeah, and just fine. like be touching the program, be around, get to know Nick Nurse. That would have been great, I think. Sure. Uh, you know, it yeah. was even a little disappointing that those guys didn't weren't available to, well, to even do that. For that a was days. a weird part because a lot of those guys were in Toronto like that week like of the camp. OVO. It was in OVO, <laughs> yeah. Like literally, OVO got some better talent to show up at least to the camp. Yeah. Obviously, that's a way smaller commitment. Like it's not even close. But like Nikhil Alexander uh, was there. Um, Speaking of OVO, some, a couple other guys. Someone in my, I can't remember if it was in my mentions or in a, I think it was in a comment of one of my articles suggested Canada naturalized Rondé Hollis Jefferson. 
It's like there we go. He's, he's, he's been here a couple. He would have played for sure, man. He's here all the time. He's, he's been, got that yeah. Canadian agent, so he's uh. Oh, that makes. He does stuff with NBA sense. Canada, and he like he plays OVO and Crown every year. He's a former Crown League champion. Yeah, that's Stanley right. Johnson too. Stanley Johnson dropped like eighty-seven in an OVO game. Once. Yep, yep. That's his uh, claim to fame. That probably and also, shirtless. He's he looks good shirtless. Um, who else? Kenneth Fareed randomly comes up here a couple times. Yeah. Yeah, he was here for OVO. He he got crossed over and dropped actually by uh, Xavier. I think even Dylan played. Dylan Brooks yep. played, Dylan and, Brooks and that was too. like his first like full five on five since. He was really good. He was really good. I remember him in Crown League last year. Anyway, yeah, um, <laughs> he was showing his showing his breasts after big shots in Crown League. Yo, he yeah he was he was in his element for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, one thing you mentioned in the piece, I thought it was very interesting. Um, seems like MLSC has made a commitment to the program and really given it a boost. Yeah, I don't know how. I don't know if it's a long term commitment, but obviously the Nick Nurse thing is very real. Obviously, Team Canada practiced at OVO Athletic Center. That they, that's where they held their training camp. Um, through the Welcome Toronto partnership with Drake that got expanded a couple years ago, mm-hmm. Canada Basketball and OVO, or sorry, uh, MLSE and OVO donate a million dollars a year to Canada Basketball, um, along with like the refurbishing of local courts and stuff like that. So there's already been a financial relationship in terms of donation. It now seems like, and I don't know how much, you know, Grunwald gets installed as CEO or the Raptors just feel all this momentum and want to make sure it's building on the Canada basketball side too. Um, I think it makes sense that you know what's better for Canada basketball will be better for the Raptors in the long run. Yeah, that's logical. Definitely. Um, now I don't know what the relationship will look like moving forward. According to a source, um, MLSE helped Canada basketball with some debt servicing. Um, you know, if that relationship is going to be financial moving forward, I think that can only benefit Canada basketball, especially if you're looking at bidding for an Olympic qualifying it's tournament a pretty next big year. Backer. Um, but even if it's not financial, you know, if MLSE is sharing things with them like, okay, well, here's our sponsorship team and here are the people in the community who have supported basketball in the past. Or, right. hey, logistically, here's how we've run big events before or here's how we market events like this. E- mm-hmm. Like even stuff like that helps because MLSE is this monolith yeah in the city for sports across multiple sports and like they have they've touched every facility and i think you know there are a lot of ways that that relationship can help canada basketball if they're open to it yeah i mean that that's that's probably the most positive thing i read in the piece was just like that i mean it's just it's just uh whether they're doing it for their own uh intent or whether it's sort of just like a almost like a public service for the basketball in canada like that's it's just a great involvement by mlsc and you also mentioned that like there's the involvement from ovo as well which i think i mean you know that's sort of touch and go necessary but like this is again for people that like get really mad at like drake's involvement with the team and stuff like okay sure like yes he when he goes to the games there's a lot of focus on drake he's literally in your broadcast talking about sangria with you know matt and jack but like also there is a tangible effect to yeah. his partnership and again like canada basketball is a program where they could use this kind of help yeah look man if 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 drake goes to canada basketball and was like hey if you let me give me the title of assistant coach uh, <laughs> i will dj practices you know that's gonna help get guys out oh like, yeah, it'd yeah be goofy and people would laugh at it but no, like people would legitimately come for that yeah yeah. You know, when Drake's in his sideline seat and he's like clapping in Shea Gilders Alexander's face in the OKC game this year oh, and he man. like pulls him aside and he's like, "Hey man, you could you could do this for Canada. Like, I I'll coach you. I'll take you where you need to go." Wow. <sighs> I'm joking, but like that stuff's not going to hurt. Like No, not at all. I know some people don't like Drake and Drake's involvement and stuff like that, but anytime you have like a big pocketed organization who's willing to help so long as you know it's not a situation where they're also demanding control over things right right right. which is maybe something you'd run into with ovo if they were a big financial partner but um you know exposure wise and and in terms of making guys enjoy the experience and getting fans out if you do host events yeah i think that's good yeah for sure um okay so nick nurse what was your assessment of nick in terms of his coaching performance with the program and sort of just uh the comfort of the players and everyone with him. Yeah, I thought he was great. The, the biggest thing was, you know, he stayed on message so well. And there were times that he looked tired or disappointed or whatever. Um, but he, him banging the drum of, you know, what we have is what we have and we're going to do the best with that. And also moving forward, like, here are the ways we can build. He's He was way more than Rowan talking about things they could do more of and things they could do right. different moving forward. That's and, interesting. We can talk about that in a second. And his, like... 2020 like his his talking about everything as if 
you know, hey, we'll do better in 2020 and we'll have more guys and this will help us build for that. And, you know, maybe we found four or five guys or six guys who are part of that roster. I thought it was important messaging. I thought it was a good way to let the players on that roster know that their performances mattered and and they weren't going unnoticed. Right. Um, And then I thought just like, from a coaching standpoint, like he did some interesting stuff like that. The comeback against Australia, they ran out of gas, but like he did some weird Nick Nurse things. Yeah, they shifted the zone. And that helped. And like yeah. the, the Joseph Pangos pairing like got better and better as the as the tournament yeah. went along. And that's the, that's such a big curveball to throw, man. Yeah. Because Joseph joins the team like after they play their exhibition series. Like Pangos was balling. Yeah. Balling throughout all those pre- exhibition games. And then all of a sudden Joseph comes in and he has the ball most of the yeah. time. It's a huge adjustment. And, like, I think there was one game where it wasn't the case. I can't remember if it was Australia or Lithuania. But in four of the five games, they generated a ton of open threes. And oh, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, you can do that and you can bang them all against Jordan. But, like, if your offensive system is generating a ton of open FIBA threes, like, in the long run and you project ahead to what it might be like with more talent, yeah. I think that's a pretty good that's a pretty good thing. You know, yeah. they did a... They did kind of the early season Raptors thing from last year where they were very good with their pressure on the ball forcing turnovers, but the overall defense wasn't good yet because I think that system takes a little bit to figure out Mm -hmm. how to be aggressive without sacrificing the rim. Also fouling and stuff. Yeah. I feel like Nick a was lot just of fouling three point straight shooters. up. Like, yeah, he was so pissed. You know, getting that Belgian ref four four games in a row was. Uh, how do you, how does that happen? You know, I think the issue is probably that FIBA didn't want to have to ship their refs around city to city, and because <sighs> each pool took place in a different city. Yeah, you know, you only had maybe two referee crews for each city, and they just didn't juggle them well enough. I'm not really sure, but. Let's put them on that bullet train in China. I mean, you move around like an hour. I've never been there, so I don't, it's, I don't know. It moves like 338 kilometers per hour. Damn. Yeah, it's like a real source of national pride. It's this like Siakam in transition. It literally is like Pascal Siakam in transition. Wow. Um, yeah, I thought Nick Nurse did a good job coaching the team. I thought there were times maybe where I'm like, it's almost a little too gimmicky. But also at the same time, I'm like, what are you going to do with this roster? You might as well like gamble. Like, you're, In order to pull off an upset, you want to create as much variance as possible. Yeah. And what variance looks like is like, Really heavy ball pressure to maybe force a couple turnovers, a lot of three-pointers, throwing different defensive looks out there. Sometimes it didn't make sense. Like, literally, I I remember against Lithuania, like, shortly before um, the end of the second quarter, he he called timeout. He was like, all right, we're going to go box one. Melvin, you're going to go cover the point guard. And I'm like, all right, so that's that Pascal covering the point guard, and it's the actual box one. And literally the first play, Lithuania makes one pass from, like, the point to the wing, and, like, I think Kuzminskis actually hit the three, and I'm like, all right, well, that was stupid. Yeah. But, like, you got to, like, actually try these things. And I think yeah, overall, and I like, think that one, like, the reasoning wasn't even, like, to limit three-point shooting or limit one score. It's like, okay, well, we need as many guys near the paint as we can because we can kill that them too. on our own glass. And that, too. Yeah, that, I'm, I would bet that that was the logic behind that one. Or maybe, you know, to your point, maybe you just try stuff to muck it up and something. see if just you just the other team. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, Lithuania, his, in recent history, has been a program that struggles to hit threes. So, yeah. it's not the worst bet to zone against them but yeah they were really hot know, that game and also they hit a bunch of floaters yeah i would also say like well it's easy to hit floaters over six foot two guys right? that's true yeah kevin pangos kept having to box out uh jv in the fourth quarter and i'm uh, like what's going on man um and yeah like if you wanted to find a case to criticize nurse like yeah he probably played all bench or four bench guy units too much but sure also you're playing five games in nine days and like yeah. i'm sure he has an understanding of like hey if I'm watching Spain, I wouldn't be super happy if Marcus Sol was playing 35 minutes five times in nine days. Like, he probably mm. is aware of what um, other NBA teams would want their guys' workloads to look like. Yeah. Like, even in that game against Germany, he rode the bench so long in the first half. Yeah. Although that worked in the first half. It did. Yeah. It did. You know, I, I thought part of why he rode with it was probably just like, okay, look, Corey and Kevin and these other guys have played so much the last week. Yeah. You know, and we're playing for, like, basically seeding. Yeah. You know, it's important, but it's also not important. Okay, I, I agree. I think Nick Nurse did a good job with the program. I'm happy he's there. I think at least with the talent currently there, Nick is one of the best assets for it. Like, you look at Ken Birch, for example. Like, he said so many nice things about Nick. And whatever, you always want to say nice things about your coach. But if you can win over a guy like him, which, I mean, Kem, for next year, actually, uh, he's going to be a free agent. So I'm not entirely sure if he'll come to the thing. I mean, I think circumstances might be a little bit more difficult for him to play next year. Just. Kem? Yeah, just because he will be an unrestricted free agent, and, and no, the, he signed a two-year deal. Oh, he just signed a two-year. D- I thought he signed a two-year six with uh, with Orlando. Okay, well, okay, maybe I'll scratch that. Um, but in any case, like you know, I, I think the players generally enjoyed 
being coached by him. I think, you know, Birch spoke in sort of uh, extended length about how he got to do different things in his game, got to bring the ball up, push the ball in transition, post up a couple times. It's not necessarily the greatest thing for him, but, it, you know, like it's it's good um, growth in his game. And I think if players can see the growth element, uh, that's something Steve Nash talked about. And then, like, yeah, that would be a benefit to the program. What about a guy – what about the performance of Ron Barrett as GM where um, it seemed like he came under some heavy fire. Doug really ripped into him, um, which I, I don't feel like that happens that often. You know what I mean? So no, I mean, when, like, that, when, look, he, when he does speak like that, I feel like there has to be something behind what Doug was trying to say. Yeah, and Doug was critical of Rowan before he backed into Nick Nurse being the head coach. Like, that wasn't the game plan. They struck out on their coaching search. And, yeah. Um, the first thing I would say, the two biggest issues I have with Rowan coming out of that tournament are, one, that there wasn't a lot of accountability on that conference call. It was a lot also, of... Also, why did he call a conference call like half an hour after the game ended? I don't know, man. That was tough. Um, but it was just like, there was a lot of like, well, these are the factors and like, we got unlucky and like, it's not just us, it's affecting everyone. It's like true, but it's disproportionately affecting Canada. Oh, yeah. And yeah. like, you're not... You could frame it as being new on the job because you got the title, but, like, you've been the GM since, like, 2016, effectively. Yeah. Um, so I didn't like that, and I didn't like that, you know, when we when people ask questions about what comes next, every answer was just like, oh, well, we'll look at that. It's like, okay, well, the second those guys didn't show up, you should have been starting to figure out how this doesn't happen again. Like, I know, yeah, I know you had to focus on the team that was there, but you got to build. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I'm in a tough spot with Rowan where... I know that over the last several years, he's had a big hand in creating in helping create the development program, which has been wildly successful. Yep. Um, you know, you look at the amount of Canadian talent, and maybe that happens without Canada basketball's involvement, but it certainly hasn't hurt. You know, they build a, a under nineteen team that wins gold. I think you also absolutely have to consider that he has a relationship with RJ, who might end up being one of the better Canadians. That's as, a little awkward, but yeah, as well as he also has a relationship with a couple of the guys' dads. Like I think him and Jamal Murray's dad are close, and him and Shay's dad, and, and like okay, like some of these guys who maybe it's not Shay, maybe there's another one, but anyway, a couple of guys like have hands-on fathers and like those relationships right. are probably important um you know with these things you never know who's to blame for what specifics right i think there was a lack of foresight as to the issues they could run into sure and a lack of contingency plan if plan a didn't go the way it should um you know i'm willing to hold off on evaluating rowan to see what changes come between now and the next cycle because mm-hmm. you know i i don't want to you don't want to throw a guy under the bus the first time these things kind of come up when he's really got the reins right. without giving him the chance to correct them. But, you know, I would like to hear the message start changing of uh, very proactively. Like, this is what we're doing. This mm-hmm. is, you know, we're changing this. We're getting this involved. Um, right. You know, I'd just like to hear that more is happening. It, it almost reminds me a little bit of um, the Raptors and Dwayne Casey a couple times of like, yeah, okay, so you do these postmortems and, and like what you didn't want to hear is like, well, we were – it was a better sweep this time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, that LeBron's kind of in our conference. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. I, I don't want to hear that. I, I don't want to hear that. And, like, I think the case with Casey is, like, you know, over time, people improve. Like, I, you know, at first I was yeah, – I mean, first season with Casey, I was like, yeah, she's not bad. Like, he got the defense to work. Offensively, it was garbage, but whatever. You you also went, though, from being, like, Casey's underplaying JV, free JV, yeah. I'm creating JV hive, to Casey's overplaying JV, fire Casey. Give me baby in crunch time. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I mean, like, I, I think you can stick with somebody, like, uh, sort of through some mistakes, especially if they are accountable and they just fix them. Because it's, like, fixable things. And it, I think he does bring a couple of things to the table. And I'm also trying to struggle in terms of, like, who else would run it other than you, Blake. You know, yeah. if you want to accept the job right now, um, their offer's here. But, uh, yeah, well, like, Steve Nash isn't coming back through the door, right? And it's, no. you know, obviously, I think with anything like this where it's a, a kind of a federation of sorts like you're gonna have multiple people who have their hands on it yeah um, you know you would hope that rowan will consistently look for nick's influence and stuff like that right. um you know there's a lot that can be improved on that's not like oh you absolutely have to have someone else who's fundamentally different to improve on those things mm-hmm. just like you know i would like to start hearing the message of what what those things are and what's what's going to change pretty soon yeah i mean it could have just come in that conference call like why, was, yeah, why the, else would you have called that? I mean, well, you, uh, yeah, whatever. I mean, like I even asked about hosting one of the Olympic qualifying tournaments, yeah. which I think would be—it's something I wrote about. I think it would be yeah. a huge deal. You know, you have For all sure. these guys who, oh well, the location was an issue, the time difference was an issue, 
the time commitment was an issue. It's like, okay, yep. well, if it's in your own backyard, all those issues are gone. Yep, yep. Most of those guys are here a little bit after the offseason anyway. Yeah. Um, or after the season, rather. Most of them are GTA-based anyway. Yeah. And then you bring your family out to see you. It's yeah. a great opportunity. Yeah, and then Nick's been open about, like, yeah, bring your individual coaches out and we'll sure. a lot of time at practice or, like, your team's player development guy or whatever. Yeah, like Jamal Murray was there with the Denver guy. Yeah. Or one of Denver's guys. Yeah, so, I mean... To me, an Olympic qualifying tournament and an aggressive bid, I don't know whether they're financially healthy enough to do something like that. But the fact that when I asked the question, the answer was like, well, we'll see. It's like, we'll talk about it when we get back. It's like, okay, that would have been the first thing that I was trying to lock down. Because that's something you can get to work on right away, right? I hope they do that, by the way. I, I, I hope so, too. It would be great for us. I'm skeptical. So so we don't have to go to China to cover the the tournament. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't get to go to China, so... (laughs) Bro, buddy, listen, even, even I had a hard time getting to China, man. Like, they gave me, like, a three-week visa. I'm like, bro, I was born there. Come on, please. Um, all Wait, right. you were there? I was there, but I – what? No, 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 not that. I went, no, home, not I went, I went home to see, like – No, home, I knew you had been to China. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. No, this time I tried. Trust me, I tried. I, I tried lobbying Dan. He was like, well, you know, Quebec City is, is, is fine, but China might be a little more difficult. Um Okay. Quebec City's romantic, man. You guys sneak your girl out there for ah, listen. Quebec City, yeah. I mean, you know, I'll be, I'll be in Halifax too, actually. So really, you've seen the east side of Canada. Yeah, in Halifax. There was a flight deal, man. There was a flight deal. All right. It's. I mean, look. It's, I love the East Coast. It was like one. It was like one thirty, one forty round trip. Porter. I forget. Maybe it was Porter. Maybe okay. WestJet. I'm not sure. Okay. One of those. That's but okay. yeah, it was great. Except and then afterwards, it's like, oh yeah, by the way, it's forty dollars for an extra bag. So I'm like, all right, fine. I'll just wear six layers onto the plane. Yeah. Yeah, one of those guys. Eh? Yeah, that's right. At least your body size would have matched. At least your, bucks. your nope. body size would have matched your head size with six layers on. <laughs> All right, that's enough. Um, <laughs> let's talk Raptors. All right, Let, let's let's hard pivot into something less depressing. Um, Pascal Siakam, the, uh, a twelve-minute video just came out of him working out and stuff like that. It seems like he's working a lot on his perimeter game, which is not surprising. Um, sort of uh, all the talk sort of has been, you know, he might play more small forward. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think, especially for a guy who does play power forward, he does have a lot of uh, small forward skills. Uh, let's let's say for a second that he does develop those small forward skills and things like that. Are you not worried, but you know, should the Raptors try to lock him into an extension now? I'm. This is a weird one to me because like, there's not a ton of of like tangible benefit to doing it now. Like, okay, the, like if you don't sign him to extension now, the absolute worst case is he hits restricted free agency next summer, someone maxes him, you match it. Yeah, and someone so, will max him next summer if he yes, hits restricted free agency. It's a terrible free agent class, and five or six teams figure to have big cap space. Now, the counter to that is that, one, maybe if you get an extension done now, you can get him at a sub-max deal. Like, maybe you can get him for 480 or is something Is that like realistic? That. I don't know. This, this is the thing you have to explore, right? It's like, okay. like if, he's, if he says right now, I'm only signing extension for the max, you say, no, we'll wait. Like, there's no... Right. Because the thing is, is like, he's going to have a very small cap hold next summer. And it's a terrible free agent class, but that cap flexibility of keeping Siakam on his cap hold, going about your offseason business, and then signing him to a max, mm-hmm. that could let you add to your roster. It could let you take an asset on and trade and pick up a right. first for eating someone else's salary, something like that. You're sacrificing flexibility by signing him now. So, so to sign him to an extension right now, you need to get him at less than a max. It has to be okay. – you, you have to be getting something back other than the feel goods of we committed to this right. guy, we sent the signal to the market that we take care of our people – there is a slight worry because uh, the Spurs did this with Kawhi a couple years back, and that was maybe a little different. Kawhi, obviously, we've we've known in retrospect now that he had uh, aspirations to go elsewhere, regardless. Yeah. But but this is where Masai's you know. relationship with Pascal probably comes in handy too, right? Okay, like, like Pascal speaks of him as a mentor, and like don't get me wrong, as a father. No, yeah, no. like Pascal, don't get me wrong, Pascal wants that extension. Oh I'm, yeah, yeah. I would guarantee it, and they'd like to get something done. But you know, if they can't get something done numbers wise. I think that there would be a trust that the Raptors are going to take care of him the following season. Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of figuring out the number. And, like, yeah, I'm sure, sure his camp knows what incentives the Raptors would need to sign that now. Like, mm-hmm. I just, like, if he was going to get a max extension, I feel like it would be done by now. Like, once Kawhi left, they would have been just like, okay, well, we're going to max you then. Yeah. It could have been one of those Simmons, Jamal Murray yeah. kind of timelines. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I don't think he's going to get, like, that super max where he could earn up the 30%. I think it'd be, it would be a standard max. But even then, like, if his camp won't move off of Max, they shouldn't sign him to extension. Word. If you can get 
if you can trim some off the max, then it's probably worth eating into that cap space for next summer because it's such a bad class and because you have so much cap space anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's that's got to be the thing for me is like to give up that little bit of flexibility now just for the feel goods. You probably need a financial discount too, or not not even a discount because you don't know if Pascal's going to continue to progress into a max player. Sure, he's yeah. probably a twenty million dollar player already. Yeah, I, I like, agree. Like roughly, just just to throw a round number on it. Um, yeah. So you know that that's a big difference though between being a great number two, like a number two, literally a number two on a championship team. Yeah. To being a number one guy, so you it is huge. You know, maybe you want to see that first if you're gonna if you're gonna pony up that last those last couple million. Yeah, and it's it's always a thing where if you're a front office, you got to be real careful about who you're throwing the max at because yeah. like it's one thing to have Chris Middleton for like eleven million. It's a great deal. It's another thing to pay him like twenty six million. Yeah, taking up all Team USA's cap space. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, that's him USA team. Man, they're gonna miss Brogdon. Brogdon would have would have would have killed it on this team. I feel like yeah, Brogdon would be like a great FIBA guard. Like can shoot, can pass a little bit, pretty big, physical. Yeah, having you know good players would yeah, help. Having yeah. good players, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of when Smart. Indiana knocks out Boston in the second round this year. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. All the people get healthy, baby. Yeah. Um what else is what going you, on? You got notifications going off? Oh my god! Yeah. Amateur hour. The group chat is uh, it's, it's in support mode. I'll leave it at that. Uh oh. Yeah. Um. What's going on? Well, I, I have other a, extensions. I, I would bet like thirty dollars on who who is in need of support based on yeah based on who I'm assuming is in the group chat. But yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway. What else uh, is going on? Other uh, extensions. I don't think anyone else is extension eligible other than Kyle. Yeah. What's your stance on the Kyle thing? I don't. I just don't see an extension making sense, right? Like, yeah. if they wanted to give him like a one year balloon, like Dan Hackett from from Raptors HQ suggested, like, well, right. maybe you give him like forty million next year for one year. Come on, man. Uh, it look, just seems. I, I I understand the spirit of it. I really yeah. do. But like, my my issue would be there's no way to actually have a contract like that where then yeah. he agrees to like the mid level after that. So like he could totally just walk away. He'd <laughs> be like, oh, well, thanks. <laughs> yeah, for thanks this. for the forty mil. Uh, no, I don't think – like, I think I think with any of those expiring guys, if they're going to stick around, it's just mm-hmm. – the the extension rules are so hard to work around anyway. Yeah. And that especially if you're trying to give a guy, like, a like have him take a pretty big haircut or, like, keep him at the salary for one year and then tailor him off. Yeah. Uh, I, I would be surprised if anyone else gets an extension. Fred's not eligible. Yeah. Extend Matt Thomas right now. Give him another, give yeah, him another why not, four or five years. Why not? When that Alex feature drops, they're going to – I, I was gonna say Alex has told me like twice about this feature he's gonna drop, so I'm I'm really looking forward to it. He's really building the hype. I'm still trying to we're we're like almost in a race to see who can lock down a Valencia jersey first because he's on oh the Matt God. Thomas beat and I got that Jordan Lloyd connect. You never know, man. <laughs> Alex might just pop up tomorrow in Valencia. Yeah, you know what I mean. He'll, he'll move around. Isn't their soccer team in shambles? Just swooping, swooping. They like get a flight there right yeah. about the soccer team and <laughs> come back with that, the jersey. That does sound like how Alex would operate. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. So on top of those old older guys, um, Lowry, Mark, Serge, Fred as well. Maybe I, maybe I will start with Fred actually because he's obviously he's the exception there. He is um, uh, a pending unrestricted free agent, but he's not like of the same age as those other three right. who are thirty. I think Serge is starting at thirty like this weekend. I think maybe um, party roll son. Oh man, he's got to save roll son. Yeah, that's a that's a big surge, buddy. Go go, man. Someone's got to tell Serge. Yeah, about don't Rolson. don't work on an extension for Serge. Work yeah. on extending Rolson so Serge wants to stay beyond twenty twenty one. Just like how MLSC bailed out Can the Bass one, needs Serge to do the same for Rolson, all right? Yeah. Um, but don't let there's no OVO involvement there. Drake's restaurants keep doing poorly. So wow, wow, pick six slander out of nowhere. Didn't Frings close down too? Yeah, I don't know. I don't go. I don't go to these places. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm good, man. You, yeah, on that blogger money. So come on. Yeah. I see, I see enough OVO owls. Um, yeah, Fred, uh, do you feel like uh, the team as currently presented sort of sees Fred as like a core piece moving forward? That they not necessarily have to retain because you don't obviously want to get to a ridiculous number, but, you know, prioritize. Yeah, I think there's probably a gap right now between where Fred sees his market being at the end of the year and where the Raptors believe he might be right now. Hmm. Um, where 
I think we talked about before you and I have talked about before what the starting lineup might look like and like yeah. the best five probably includes Kyle and Fred together. Um, the point guard situation yeah. might not allow you to do that, but um, you know I think they're going to want to see what he looks like in twenty eight thirty minutes a game with the ball in his hands more instead of twenty minutes as a as a key reserve um, because like. If you're talking eight figures a year, if you're talking over $15 million to retain him, you better be pretty sure that he can start and yes. start full-time. And like yes. he's, he hasn't been the healthiest, and I don't know how much that is random and fluky and how much is being undersized. And I mean, he's got to so throw aggressive. his body around yeah. when you're undersized. It's, like, it's kind of the same thing that happened with Kyle, except yeah. Kyle is obviously way more athletic than Fred was. Yeah, and like Fred, Fred still isn't like a very good finisher, so like that yeah. might be a concern of, like, hey, if you're the number one pick role orchestrator mm-hmm. and you're not that much of a threat to score, what can our offense look like and stuff like that? I think there are just questions about what Fred looks like as a starter instead of a six-man. I think, like with Pascal becoming a number one, uh, one of the goals of this year will be to see what Fred's ceiling is in terms of role. Okay. And I think that's, the benefit, that's honestly the benefit of having a year like this. And I, and I know so many people are championship or bust all the time. But like yeah. when you're good and you're playing meaningful basketball and potential playoff basketball and you have young guys, that's a really good environment to evaluate those guys in. Where like, right. you know, the Atlanta Hawks rolling someone out there 30 minutes a game when they go 25 and... Wow, Jeremy Linslander out of nowhere. No, it's true. That's exactly what we're example. talking about. Um, I think it's... it's imp- it's good information. And so I think, you know, if I were to guess right now what – like if Fred were a free agent this summer, I think Fred's asking price would have probably been beyond Toronto's faith in him earning that contract. But, you know, that 20 – it's going to be interesting too because, like, there are no free agents that summer. Yeah. It's, it's There weird, are very man. few teams with cap space also. Yeah. But, like, the Knicks are out there, man. The Knicks do – the Knicks do crazy stuff. Oh, don't worry. Fred's not a power forward. He's fine. Yeah. Um, plus, they got Frankie Smokes, man. Yeah. Fred's also like five years too young to sign a one one and one with the Knicks. Uh, yeah. No, I think I think this would be a big year for him about showing that he can, not just to the Raptors, but to the whole league, that like, hey, yeah. I can be more, especially where he had the rough first two rounds of the playoffs. Like, oh, there are probably There are probably teams in front offices who don't see him as more than a reserve point guard right now, and he right. sees himself as a starter, so he's going to get a lot of opportunity to show that, even if he's not quote-unquote the starting point guard right so i mean look i i i want to see all those things out of fred too this is this is not one of those things where like if if the organization today like max out siakam i'd understand i'd be like you yeah, know maybe not necessarily the best thing strategy uh, strategy wise but like i understand i have yeah, that Bobby kind of con- Webster probably wouldn't be happy like yo i wrote cba loopholes for this <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you doing um my cap holds <laughs> Jeez, I, uh, I hope he's I, I hope he's cooler than that in real life What's that? I hope he's cooler than that. He, is, he I mean, seems like a pretty cool guy, man. He's the coolest guy in the room. I was going to say, yeah, he definitely has he's, like a... He's probably a, unflappable. A ch- chill swag about him. Yeah. Him know. and Masai are probably actually really entertaining, like, one, two, if they're, like, team meetings and group meetings and stuff, because, like, Masai's all passion and energy, mm-hmm. and Bobby's probably just like, we'll get it sorted out. Yeah, he's from Hawaii, man. Yo, he's got that... Yeah, exactly. He's cool. Man, he's, he's cool. He's chill. Shout out Asian, uh, Asian American legend, Bobby Webster. All right. The other guys, Kyle Lowry. How much would it take to pry Kyle Lowry in a trade this year? More than any team's going to offer. Like, he makes $35 million. That's hard to make the cap mm-hmm. math work. Because um, But you know what? I agree. It is a big number. And he is older. And it takes a certain situation. But a couple of those situations might be out there. Yeah. Like, if you're mostly- Minnesota, for example, you might want to do something. If you're Orlando, you might want to do sure. something. But then you run into the Raptors have to take salary back to match. Mm-hmm. And then it's one thing if that's an expiring deal. You know, Orlando has some options. If you attach, yeah. you know, hey, Aaron Gordon, maybe that's a guy you're willing to take on money for. Andrew Wiggins, I'm less certain that unless you're throwing <laughs> a bunch of picks on top of it also. Um, yeah. My answer with Mark, Serge, or Kyle is going to be I'm okay, I would be okay taking back 2020-2021 money because that free agent class is so poor and, like, your cap flexibility is as much about asset maximization as it is signing guys Mm -hmm. that summer i'd be okay taking on money if you can get picks or prospect equity which should which should be possible right because you're looking at on paper so many teams are trying to get into that 2021 class yeah that if you have an expiring now even though it's like okay it's it's expiring for 2020 and not the following year you can take on some long-term money and get some picks or even even like one year of money just so that you know like say i don't want this to happen but say the celtics are having a good season and they're worried about Joel Embiid insurance. And Gordon Hayward is still struggling. 
would they attach something to Hayward to get out of his 2020, 2021 year and get Marcus All back? Yeah, I'll take Jalen Brown. That's fine. <laughs> Future after Jalen Brown. I, I like Jalen Brown, man. I, there's a couple. He's a, he seems like a really cool guy. Yeah, you were you were early Jalen Brown guy. Yeah, right? yeah. I was uh, his, that draft year. That was the Pirtle year. Yeah. Um. And there, there were, was talk that he might slide. He was like there were rumors that he was going to slide, and there were rumors that the Raptors had had like a secret meeting with him just in case he ooh. slid and liked him. Um, a rendezvous. Yeah, but he didn't slide, obviously. And then we got Jakob Pirtle. I remember being so upset that we missed out on Marquise Chris. Marquise Chris was your guy. All right. I forget. You know when you look, when you look at highlights of a guy like Marquise Chris, you're like, "Wow, yeah. look at this dude!" You, you don't you don't understand. And then you see that. him getting he's choked, a complete waste choked man. up by Serge. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think if I remember right, because my my whole thing that draft was like, if none of the top eight guys, because everyone thought that was an eight man draft. Really. Yes, yes. My thing was, if none of the top eight fall. What I would have preferred, because it was a free pick, basically, from the Bargnani strategy, was a swing for the fences. Yep. It's like, at that yeah. point where they were... And that's were, where Chris would have come in. He seemed like a guy where, yeah. if you can, like, I don't he, know, he put him in the right space. he went in the top space. eight anyway, right? He yeah, that's four, true. Um, four or five or something. Yeah, uh, Phoenix traded up to get him, which is hilarious. Yeah, pair him with Dragon Bender, the future. Oh, my God. What a bad draft, man. Uh, what a bad organization. Dragon Bender, and they traded up, and they gave up Bogdanovich, who was actually good. Damn. Yeah. And now they have no point guards. Yeah. It's uh, and a couple years back they had all the point guards and couldn't play them together. Yeah, um, Phoenix is hilarious. I hope they don't overpay Fred. I guess they already had a chance to and they didn't. So yeah, yeah, but they they did that weird thing where they signed Ariza and like ate up their cap space and it was like, yo, hold up, wait for us. I was like, nah, you take that money. I'm still shocked that Ariza didn't go to the Lakers. That seemed like a James Jones assist right there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, the, we don't need to get too deep into the yeah, yeah, draft, yeah. but I was big swing for the fences. And I think Deontay Davis was my guy. And then you find out afterward okay. that, like, he flamed out at a bunch of stops really quickly for the reasons that really talented guys tend to flame out at spots. Yeah. Um, Jakob helped get them Kawhi Leonard, so not a bad pick. And then they did the swing for the fences thing with 27. Yeah. Pretty, Pascal, pretty tidy baby. how that all worked out. Goddamn, Masai. Great job with that draft. Um, yeah, okay, so uh, your answer is kind of the same for all three. Because, I, I mean, yeah. I, I could see, like, again, like, these guys are very, very useful to a yeah, lot of it's teams. it's just, like, that's why I'm not giving them away for nothing. Yeah. It's like the Raptors are going to be a playoff team and could maybe make a little bit of noise in the in the East, depending on how things shake out and how how healthy guys are and stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm not – it's not like if the Raptors traded them in season, they could get bad enough to tank or anything like that anyway. So, you know, why why walk away from having a good year – just to get rid of guys, like unless yeah. you're unless you're picking up a real asset, just right. run it back for the year. And it's not that bad to lose a guy, the guys of these calibers, um, especially at their current ages, um, without necessarily getting. It's not like okay, you like Chris Bosh walk for nothing. Yeah, didn't you know they sign, they signed and traded Bosh for a couple of picks? Oh yeah, that's right. They signed. That was back when signing trades were big. Now I feel like yeah. it's it's hard to do. Yeah, but, well, you get that extra year then. Yeah. Who'd they get out of that? Didn't they get JV out of that or no? I can't remember. There was something. They got like, their own pick back. Yeah, which is really that just might so have been sad. the JV one. I can't remember if the Bruno pick was in there too or I forget that it was like yeah, it was one of those situations where it was like an either or pick and I don't remember the specifics. Yeah, either way though, I'm cool with this, back. Yeah, I'm just cool with riding these uh, with these guys. Like I, I don't know, I'm I'm cool with the other way. I, um, one thing I would mark that um, I forget where I saw this, but. I think I think I actually think it was like someone on Real Gym, but there was someone pointed out that like, so Mark is 34 years old. He played the entire season. Uh, obviously, went to the finals, won the finals. Great time. Got really drunk at the parade. So drunk he couldn't speak at the actual uh, title, whatever presentation yeah, they had at the end. Danny under. saving him. Danny saved him. Literally, he was too drunk to even talk to like Trudeau and stuff like that. Um, I met Trudeau the other week, by the way. What? Yeah. Just at a coffee shop in Hamilton, he rolled up. Was he like on the campaign trail? Like what was he going was like on? meeting with some unions or something, but he stopped to get a coffee and like did the handshake thing around. It was very wow, it was very strange. I was just like at a at a coffee shop and he walks up and I'm like, oh, wow, right. okay, yeah, the election's coming up. Uh, that, that's something you could you could you could look for coverage of that um, elsewhere. Yeah, not not on this podcast, but um, what was I gonna say? You got real stick to sports there, real quick. No, no, I, I was just like, I was, I just like completely lost my train of thought. What was I going to say? Oh yeah, with we Mark, were talking about Gasol, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Mark's, yeah, and then like, um, yeah, don't vote Andrew Shear. That's about it. Um, but sauceless, very, very sauceless. Like the sauce is mayo. But um, 
What was I saying about Mark? His usage <laughs> has been really high, man. So he plays that very long season, plays deep into June, takes about a week off, and then all of a sudden he is preparing for um, the Spanish national team, which it looks like they're going to – well, they're in the semifinals. I think they have yeah. a very good shot of actually advancing and winning the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so – And then you know, it's less than two weeks before tr- to training camp. Yeah. And and I, this is something that Nurse talked about too of like, you know, we probably have to manage his workload just a little bit because, again, he's had an extremely long season for someone of that age. Yeah. Well, assuming that Boucher hasn't completely – screwed his chances of yep. being in nurse's favor mm-hmm. um you know you do have some big man depth that you can work with if you're gonna load manage mark and surge a little bit early in the year you know get boucher some minutes um dewan hernandez is on an nba deal if he if he makes that roster he's probably gonna spend most of the year in g league yeah? i think so yeah. but i'm just saying like you have guys especially if this year is about yes winning but also developing and seeing what guys have right you know look at the problem they ran into last year where it's like okay boucher's too good for the G League, and he's too good for summer league, but we can't find him any NBA minutes to to test it out and see if he's right. You know, I think there will be windows for something like that. Okay, you know, Mark. Yeah, I'm cool with Mark relaxing a little bit. He's like, he's going to need a couple games. Training left. camp, and he's going to need a couple games left. Yeah. Which I think, I mean, Serge will be happy to step into center and. Yeah. 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 I mean, you you keep Serge happy with a couple starts there too. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, you have enough. Like Rondé can play some small ball five too if you want to get funky. Yeah, that's that's a little too funky. No, man. You me. go Rondé at the five, Pascal at the four, uh, OG at the three, Stanley at the two. Oh, God. And then you just have one point guard out there to, to coordinate it all. To take all the shots? Wings only. To take every single shot? Fred? Yeah. Fred's going to have like a 25% field goal percentage? Um, yeah. All right, last things. A couple of rapid fires. Hang on. Wait a second. If yeah. they ran that lineup and Matt Thomas was the fifth guy, do you think another team would try to box him one Matt Thomas and just dare the other guys to shoot. I mean, they should. They should. I'm just like I'm very much looking forward to this year. Some coach being like, "Screw you, nurse. I'm running a gimmicky defense against you. Let's see how you like it." I want Steve Kerr to do it. Except Steve Kerr's a collaborative talent. <laughs> Steve Kerr's a real Steph Curry. Um, okay, rapid fire. All right. The Pistons signed Joe Johnson. Seven-time All-Star Joe Johnson. Seven-time All-Star Joe Johnson. Credit Assad for this, but is Dwayne Casey just building a team of <laughs> Raptor killers? Yeah. I mean, I think that, for had, to be, that had to be part of it. Uh, they probably also weren't super happy that right after they signed Bees, he got suspended. Um, yeah, that was unfortunate. But, yeah, I mean, Joe Johnson used to be repped by Arntellum, who runs the Pistons now. Um, okay. I'm sure the Dwayne Casey conversation was pretty funny. And Joe, Joe was just like, you know better than anyone that I can still get buckets. <laughs> and Dwayne was like, can you still get them against Toronto? That's all I care about. Yeah. I'm signing you for a th- just three 10 day deals. Every time they play the Raptors, yeah. he's um, yeah. And if you were to build a team of Raptor killers, Oh God, you did a piece about this. Yeah. A, a great piece about this a couple years ago. It was kind of it was a like nerd the start out kind of, of last thing. year. It was, it was like, like when, last year. when the Bucks owned them with like Urson and Thon Maker before they had traded those, before they traded Thon. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, who, who's in your who's in your starting five of uh, Gerald Henderson's basically the Gerald yeah. Henderson starting five active guys, active or past? Okay, because past Gerald Henderson's. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Gerald Henderson's a captain of. He's coaching the team. Yeah, yeah. he's coaching the team. Um, I'm trying to remember who was on my thing, but the two that I'm like certain are on there whether or not like the thing that i did was like purely statistical so i'm gonna go yeah. on feel only like chaining fries on that team oh my god oh my the melted 2016 god. wounds just coming yeah. open right now man um Killing. i don't know do we give dj augustine the nod or is that too much recency bias like he had a dj augustine game in a playoff series I, I, okay so one of the only predictions i had right about orlando series was that dj was gonna outscore kyle Lowry. okay did he? He up? actually ended up outscoring okay. Kyle Lowry. Now, granted, that he was because game 20, one he was had a twenty-five real, point lead. Yeah, but uh, that was disappointing. Yeah, I could put. D- that, I, think, I mean, it's either DJ or Ish Smith for point guard. I yeah. feel like Ish kills the Raptors. Yeah, every time. I mean, it's a, Ish kills that dropback scheme, right? He's yeah, just like with the, the floater king. Um, who was I going to say? Doug McDermott's on there. Yep, yep. McBuckets. Yeah. Uh, there are so many like mid options. Like I was going like, to say, Ersan Moore put thirty plus up against the Raptors, yeah. but that might. I don't know if he's done it long term enough. I feel like he did it with the Pelicans a couple of times. Yeah, he definitely did it. And early then with the in Bulls, year. yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, you could put the whole Bulls roster on there. I feel like they got the Jimmy Butler thing behind them now, though, because mm, because yeah. they beat the Sixers. Like, Jimmy Butler. And Urson. Un- and Urson as well. Yeah. Urson unplayable in that series. Although, uh, game two, what was it? Uh, Urson and Meritich in Milwaukee game two. I couldn't believe it, man. They were just <laughs> drawing charges, flopping, hitting threes. I was yeah. like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. Ur- I think Urson should be on there, if not for his performance against the Raptors, which qualifies him, mm-hmm. but also because, like, He's like the only guy every year who beats Kyle in the in the charges drawn yeah. category. Like I, I feel how the like, hell does he have fifty seven charges? Like I feel drawn. like Kyle must hate this guy. He's like I lead the league in charges every year except for Ursan who is Silva, <laughs> who has double. Yeah, I guess he's just a big man, so he's close to the rim. Yeah, but like, come on, man. He's, he's and I think maybe he, he always looks like he's in pain. So he maybe does. That helps. Yeah, he, he, that he, helps sell it. He's got a resting wince face. Yeah. Um. If you could start a podcast with anyone on the Raptors, who are you going with? And I'm not asking this on behalf of my company. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> on the current roster. That's tough. I feel like if it didn't have to be a basketball podcast, I feel mm. like Marcus Gasol's the answer. I was going to say, I was also thinking Mark. Mark or Serge. Serge yeah. would have a great podcast, but you wouldn't say anything. Serge would just be talking the whole time about what whatever Serge talks about fashion, yeah. his childhood, It'd be really interesting, but yeah, Serge has the most interesting story on the, on the team. Like yeah, I feel like for sure, yeah. Oh, those videos of him going back home to the places it's that he cr- used to like—it's crazy. Get given scraps and stuff it was amazing. Yeah, like he had to eat scraps, like basically beg for food um, during like the most difficult parts of his life, and then like this past year, he brings like the trophy and like has yeah. food at that restaurant. Yeah, it's like he, the first like, time he has Larry O'B there, man. That's, That's crazy. What yeah. a story. But yeah, so Mark much, so cool. much of those, like Masai bringing it back, and like Pascal oh, yeah, being yeah. there and stuff. It's like it's so awesome that they got to do that. It's, yeah, I mean, it's been one of the funnest parts of the off season is just like going on Instagram every day and like Malcolm Miller's having an event with the with the Larry. Yep, and yep. like all these guys get a get a chance to do it. Yeah, I think Mark. I think you know, like you could talk about fishing and whales and like his his homegrown yeah. garden, and he just seems like such an interesting guy. You talk about Queen for like five episodes. He also looks like. A podcast. Yeah, he does look like a podcast. Matt Thomas looks the most like a podcaster. <laughs> yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Matt, Matt Thomas talking about DBT or whatever. I don't know. I don't listen to the Joe Rogan podcast. I just wanted to pretend like I did. I do not listen to that. I didn't even get the I, reference, so there you go. I watched it one time because he had uh, Andrew Yang on, and it did not look like a good episode. The only time I've watched it is when he had George St. Pierre on because George St. Pierre basically like copped to think he could get abducted by aliens. And I was like, well, I got to watch that. All right. Yep. Uh, And then the last rapid fire. This is not a great rapid fire round. I could have done more. Um, The Raptors made a couple more, uh, or they finalized their coaching staff. Um, They promoted Brittany Donaldson, John Goodwillie, and they also brought in uh, Fab Flournoy. Flournoy? What's this? How? I think it's Flournoy. 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 There's an L in there. It's a little strange. Um, And a couple other guys, but. I don't know. Just give us some background into these people. Yeah. So, okay. So, Brittany Donaldson is coming over from the analytics department. Right. Uh, a couple of years ago, they had moved Eric Curry from the analytics department to the coaching staff right. as like an extension of the analytics department, help with decision making and in game tracking, stuff like that. He's moving to 905 to continue to grow as a coach in like a bigger assistant role. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there's uh, someone that'll come up to, to the video room. Marsh will come up from, from the video room with 905 to, or from the bench of 905 to the Raptors video room. And then John Carbaccio gets promoted to Goodwillie's old role. Goodwillie okay. moves to the bench. Right. Uh, and then Flournoy. And there's one other guy whose uh, name I'm drawing a blank Tynesdale? on. Tinsdale? Mark Tinsdale? T- yeah, Tinsdale. Tinsdale, yeah. yeah. Um, so he's he's a guy who was like just in the G League two years ago. Okay. Um, so him and Flournoy are both like recently retired players or, or I guess, I don't know if they're officially retired, but they're coaches now. So yeah. um, so those would be player development guys. Uh, Brittany also has, so Brittany Donaldson, who's coming over from analytics. She's she, mad young, 26. Yeah, That's so she, she'll be part of that, like, oh, I mean, like, she's an extension of the analytics staff. Mm-hmm. But also, like, she has, like, a bunch of records at Northern Iowa, like, from hooping. Like, she can yeah. she can ball. And, like, she was already, she I, I did a story mid-season when Fred was hurt mm-hmm. about, like, he went to the analytics team and he's, like, I'm bored. Like, what can yeah. what can you tell me? Right, what right, can right. you show me? And she was the one who kind of, like, was, like, well, this is what we see and, like, let's drill this stuff so you can get better. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she she told the story in the Zach Lowe piece about how she ran Mark's workout when Mark was in Toronto after the trade. And, right, right. Um, so she's got lots of experience working with players. So, so those, yeah, those yeah. people will help on the development side. Um, Goodwillie will probably do, like, he'll... He did Summer League. 
he had coached a summer league and he has a good reputation for like his his game plans and his packages for up, for upcoming opponents are really good right. because he was the head video guy so i'm, I'm right. sure he'll he'll have a hand in that and then his main three guys are staying the same with Bjorker and griffin and scariolo so right um the kind of chain of command at the very top is is probably pretty similar yeah someone on twitter was telling me that um good willie was an mci grad as well so shout out mci i don't know i know he went it's uh, the high school that i went to i figured yeah, yeah. um yeah, and his story is like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like all the video guys' stories are a little bit sad because they're like, yeah, I came in like 15 years ago and I've been watching video ever since, and now I finally have a break. But like, I have like mad respect for people like that. Yeah, man. I mean, hey, that's how Spolster got started, man. Yeah, he was a video room guy. So, um, yeah, everyone. It's good stuff. I like the way the Raptors are thinking in terms of just like strategically how they're moving. Yeah, it's I, a very I think, diverse staff. Yeah, know? it's a very diverse staff which um you know there's a lot of evidence that diversity of experience helps with group decision making. Yep. Nurse is a very firm believer that you know you have to experience things in different roles and in different situations to improve as a coach. Yeah. Uh, which is why he values guys getting head coaching experience or girls getting head coaching experience, mm-hmm. um, things like that. And then I think so. I think from a you know developing your people standpoint, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And then more like broader organizationally, when you have people like Eric Corey and Brittany Donaldson who have come from front office roles, yep. uh, and have been with the development staff and with the the main roster, I think there's like there's a continuity of thinking across departments then and like they're they're almost conduit conduit is the term that uh, they used a lot in this book the mvp machine it's a baseball book uh, but basically about how analytics people have started to infiltrate player development in baseball right um, because they can translate a lot of those findings to players and work on the ground level with them and they're really important to Mm -hmm. you know keeping the whole organization on message and taking what might be complicated takeaways from the front office and making them digestible and actually like putting them into practice at the coaching level. So I yeah. think, you know, I think it makes sense. Obviously we don't know how these people are going to do in those roles until we sure, see it. Sure. And it's obviously assistant coaching is a very difficult thing to evaluate anyway, Definitely. but strategy wise, I think it makes sense. I think it's how you build an organization that's versatile and smart and how you're insulated from, you know, if next year there's a brain drain where everyone wants to poach the Raptors people, you know, you have people who have been in different roles and who you've yeah. been developing. So I think it's smart. Yeah. I mean, they got, what, an assistant coach from uh, – that coached internationally uh, extensively in Scariolo. Um, I guess Fab is kind of the same way. A player, player coach. Player coach from Britain, For yeah. like 16 – he was like a player coach for like a decade He's plus. in his 40s and he's still playing. Yeah. Wild. Uh, he's also like – he, for anyone who doesn't know, he's been with the Raptors the last two summer leagues and like was around during the playoffs. So like yeah. he's already up to speed and like can he get the ground the running and stuff and, and the relationship with Nurse. So yeah. it's similar to how like the Scariolo thing came together after he spent most of summer league with them last year. And, yeah. Um, you got a video guy. Yeah. And I mean, like, Bjorkren, Goodwillie, and Nurse have all been on the Canada basketball staff Yeah, out in China. So it's like, I'm, sh- I'm sure in their downtime, they're already talking Raptors and stuff for this year. So, <laughs> yeah, they're like, forget <laughs> forget the Owen class and package. Yeah. Man. We don't Let's... need to worry about our offense <laughs> against Jordan. That was a crazy game. 24 Let's... three pointers. Respect Canada for that one. That Just one was... blowing away. FIBA, I love how FIBA's like, well, we didn't really keep track of stuff before 1994, but. From what we can see, you blew away the record. It's like, you really think anyone was dropping 24 threes in a game prior to 1994? Yeah, people weren't even attempting them any back then. I'm going to doubt it. Um, All right. Well, that does for the podcast. Blake, thank you for coming on. Is there anything you want to plug? What's going on with you? Uh, Not much, man. It's It's been a strange summer, like, personally. Like, I've barely been in Toronto. Right. Um, so it's like, like, obviously we, we were both traveling during the playoffs and that kind of takes you out of sorts. And Mm -hmm. then like there was summer league, um, I was out in Newfoundland to work on a book project and then I stayed out there for some family stuff. Right. And I was just kind of like bouncing, bouncing around. Like I I took a week off for vacation. Um, but then I was home for a bit. It's just like, it's been a weird summer where like, it's been really fun. I haven't really taken a break other than one week because of the book project and the world cup and keeping up coverage and stuff. But like. I don't know. I feel like it was a. It's been a great change of like routine and not being, you know, not working at the desk in my bedroom every day in Toronto. And it's been a fun summer. Yeah. Well, I mean, on behalf of everybody, I mean, thank you for everything that you do, coverage wise, and we hope yeah. you uh, soak in a couple more moments before it starts getting crazy again. I gotta get this. Gotta get this book done before camp starts. Yeah. Well, that's 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 the Blake response I was expecting. But uh, yeah, man, I don't want to be juggling that stuff when uh when things get rolling. 
Yeah, like, oh, I, I guess can't, that's true. I can't write about Siakam's 50 piece. I got to do a final edit of this oh, draft. Man, it's coming this year, baby. It's coming. He's going to... Pascal versus uh, probably Washington, or maybe New York or something like that. Yeah. Probably Washington, No, actually. New York has so many power forwards. It'd be tough. Oh, that's right. <laughs> um, Taj Gibson going to hard foul him when he's got 45. Yeah. Uh no, I think it's, you know, I didn't, obviously we don't take the work, off-season workup videos too seriously, but I thought that your point when you wrote your Pascal thing um, a couple weeks back, which was really good, um, that he's probably going to have to up the mid-range usage. Yeah, yeah, it's clearly been a huge focus of his off-season. Yeah. And I know that, like, some people get their arms up at mid-range shooting. Yeah. You don't want to build your offense around that, and then no. you don't want that to be your primary tool. But if you're a guy who can knock down the corner three and teams are going to sell out to keep away from the rim, you got to have that in your package. Uh, yeah, improving any part of your game, even one that um, isn't going to be the entire focus of your game, makes sense. Yeah, you, you, know, what a, you know what a 40% mid-range shot is better than? A 30% mid-range shot or a yeah. turnover. <laughs> yeah, and like, I, I, yeah, and in the playoffs, like, if you got to shoot a lot of threes. I'm not saying that that's, it's not good, but you need – uh, at least we saw in this year, like part of what made Kawhi so effective was he had the diversity in this game. Yeah, couldn't stop him at any level. And soon you won't be able to stop Pascal at any level. So step step backs above the break. Well, I'll wait and see. Yeah, on that those. little Dirk one legged jumper. I'm like, yeah. what's that about? But, yeah, I'll uh, wait on I'll wait on buying into that. But yeah, the other stuff looks good. Yeah, there you go. All right, Blake, thanks for coming to the podcast. Everyone, thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, there will be more Raptors content next week somehow, despite <laughs> there be nothing going on. So thanks for listening. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.